podcast. I'm Alex. I'm here with Daniel. Uh, hello, this is hello, our hello. third time trying to record this. The first one, <laughs> we went about three minutes in, Peek and our curtain. internet cut. We tried to start the recording again. It did not run our health checks in time before the recording started, so we paused that, and now we are starting again for the third time. Um, now we're into it. I really hope this one works. Third time's the charm, because it is late. We are recording this at <laughs> 11 at night. Um, and we've got to get these out before the semifinal and obviously review uh, the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we said this in all the other intros, so I'll just say this joke again because I still think it's pretty funny. <laughs> we went golfing on Thursday. <laughs> Rubello didn't look like he swung a club in a year. Rubello hadn't swung a club in a year, and yet definitely looked like it. Look like yeah. it. Oh yeah, man, tough... I didn't even. The delivery wasn't even good. Should we start the again? The delivery wasn't as good, but no, <laughs> we're not starting. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> no, we're not starting again. Let's. <laughs> could you anyway, imagine? let's let's get into it. Let's um, do it. First game: Italy two, Belgium one. Um, Italy were definitely the better side. Um, yeah. They controlled the game. They controlled the game, pushed when they needed to, and they also killed off the game when they needed to. A bit boring in the second half, but I think it's at this stage in the tournament you just have to do whatever, whatever you need to get it done. Exactly. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a it was a good game. Um, very happy with with the performance. Uh, Robella, talk to me a bit about what you saw from Italy and specifically how Mancini set his team up. Yeah, yeah, I love Mancini's setup in this game. Um, you know, they had a good. They they didn't change what was working. Right, things have been working even in that Austria game. I'll bring up the Austria game as well. They, um, yes, it was close. Austria ran them tight, but they looked. Like they were the team that was always going to win when it went to extra time, right? They kept their shape. They kept that solidity and it worked. And that's what they did here too, right? That midfield pressed because they do have that soft underbelly on Belgium, right? Great attack, but Witzel isn't that great of a of a defensive midfielder, especially come back from that. I think he had an ACL tear or something serious like that. Um, and those fullbacks were so important. Again, right? Spinazzola playing so high. Di Lorenzo was great. Lots of tackles there. And uh, I think Mancini just got it right by sticking to his guns. Play that midfield, you know, play that front line. The only thing he really changed was Chiesa in for Berardi, which is just like a better player coming in for a slightly not as good player. So. Yeah, <laughs> people have been wanting Chiesa to start all yeah. tournament ahead of Berardi. I think this is a great game to put him in to start just because of, yeah. um, I guess, that space in behind the wing backs. And I guess Belgium center backs are, are really not very fast um, and don't like getting run directly at. And you could see that in. I guess the the second goal. I mean, oh, he yeah. made just. I mean, Alderweireld. I think was just backing off, backing, backing off. Up, He's basically, <laughs> yeah. Like when when you're backing up like that, it's basically you're telling the forward, I don't want to get beat for for pace on the outside. I'm just going to keep backing up. Hopefully, yep. I can react quick enough when when he shoots. I can get in front to block it, or the goalie or the makes, shot a, makes a good save. Yeah, it's not yeah. a good shot, but Intini just took his time. Um, waiting, waiting, and then just put that cr- put that shot right into the, to the top goal. right corner. Yeah, it was an it was an unbelievable goal. Um, also, Barella had a great goal from from that right side. Uh, what did what did you see from him from him today? Yeah, I th- I thought Barella was was probably of that midfield the best player in the midfield. I actually think Verratti had a really good game too, and Jorginho had a less like a noticeably good game. He was a bit more understated, Jorginho, but he was very good as well. Um, I loved the way Barella played, right? He was good on the ball. Uh, he wasn't afraid to try to dribble, right? He completed, I think, uh, three, yeah, three successful dribbles for Barella as well. And that's kind of what you want from him, right? You want him to not be afraid 
and you want him to actually, you know, try these things, go forward. And I think him on the same side as Chiesa now, rather than Berardi, creates even more space for Barella to do the stuff he likes to do. Because Chiesa gives you the option of cutting in, doing all those things, or staying as a natural winger, staying right on that touchline, right? And he gives you a little bit more, and Barella could come into that space. And I think that's what he did here, right? He was phenomenal at that. Yeah. I, I thought he had an amazing game, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was his best game in the tournament. I think um, yeah. Barella gets was hard done by this tournament just the way not so much by himself but how Italy played they really want to play up the left side uh, with Spinazzola coming high and then yeah yeah, with Chiesa keeping the width on the right side it gives really Brella a lot of area to work in that that right sort of half space yeah um, dropped a little bit back maybe like on that right on the edge of the of the box on the right hand side and with Berardi cutting in they sort of both occupy that space but with Chiesa you have that ability to sort of cut to the byline um a lot of like what what Spinazzola does even though he's right footed he, mm-hmm. a lot of his plays this tournament were cutting into the byline and it yeah. really gives Barella a lot of space to operate in in those areas where I think he's really good I think he's he's the most balanced out of all the players in Italy's midfield um I think he's 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 maybe he's not the best attacker or, or defender but he's 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 quite good at both so I think that midfield is good that they have that big combination of of three that are all really Agreed. really good at something special and Brella kind of is kind of good at everything and and moves around where <laughs> you need him to. Yeah, right. And I love the decision to not um there were there was always, you know, that talk if you don't have Jorginho maybe it's a little bit different, but you know Verratti did used to be a traditional central, you know, kind of more defensive midfielder. And that moving him further forward started at PSG. And it's nice to see Mancini's kind of kept that up because I think that's absolutely his best position where he can kind of do whatever he wants, right? Like it's it's much better. And I think having him higher up, up the field, having a ball winner like Verratti higher up yeah. the field really plays into how Italy want to play. They want to be right up into the other team's face and press them mm-hmm. high and get really high. And having a ball winner basically on the other team's box the edge of the other team's box really really helps them play that that really exactly. high pressing game um so it's it's nice to see him in that role and obviously Locatelli didn't get to play who, who's been good all all tournament but I mean yeah I, this midfield I think it's I think out of the midfields you probably look at of the teams remaining I think Italy's starting midfield is probably the best yeah definitely the best midfield i'd say out of the four teams remaining 100 percent. they just have the best balance and i also think that it's very possible kind of you know depending they even have the best control out of any kind of midfield as well so yeah i'd agree with you moving on to to belgium quickly what did what did they get wrong in in this game well, should we go further back? Because I could say first hiring Wilmonts, you know, how many ever many years ago, let's, let's then hiring Roberto Martinez. To this I know you don't like I, Roberto Martinez. A lot of people like like him as a as a manager. I thought, yeah, he's not a good manager. But uh, but you know what? I I do kind of uh, I am a little hard on him sometimes. I actually think he's okay as an international manager, but he's so like um, dogmatic in a bad way, in the sense of like, no, we're playing this way, and that's it. Um, yeah. But it's also just uh, some of the strange decisions on on this. Uh, it's less so the starting lineup. The starting lineup, you know, was always going to be set. Uh, I I think Vermalen had a fine game this game actually, but um, but I don't like him. Like, why is he playing on that team still? He barely plays club football, right? Like, why is he playing at least at a high level when you've got better players? Boyata's in there, who's at least a little bit better. I think he was injured for a while, but he's back. Like, why would you not start a player like that, right? Or even Den Donker, Jason Denayer. Denaye, however you pronounce that. So, right, you've got three better center backs. And the decision to not play 
uh, Yannick Carrasco. And I, I'm like a big fan of his because I'm I'm, I watch a lot of Atletico Madrid games, so I'm, I'm a big fan of his. And I don't really understand what the kind of thought process is behind not bringing on a player who can play wing back, can play uh, left winger, can even sometimes play almost as like as a pseudo CDM. Uh, he's he's like he's developed so much after coming back from China, Carrasco, and the decision just to not play a player like that was was very strange to me. But I think he is also a bit hamstrung by the fact that there's no Eden Hazard. Like, I, I understand yeah. that, right? Eden Hazard pushes everyone higher up the pitch because he's going to get the ball and he's going to dribble from further back. I think Doku did a really great job of dribbling when he already had the ball further forward. But Hazard gives you that 30 yards further back, brings De Bruyne into the play, brings Tielemans into the play, brings both fullbacks into the play, and then right there you're already another 20, 30 yards up the field with Hazard yeah. on the field. That was yeah. the thing with, with Doku. He was he was really good at he was great. people on. He had... yeah. He was, he was really good. The only problem was he was so it was it was hard for him to bring other people into play. No he had eight dribbles this game. Wow. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was hard. He couldn't really bring anyone else into play. No. So he was really just taken towards the byline by by Di Lorenzo or or Bonucci. Yeah. Um, and I guess he he did draw that penalty, which was which was good. It kind of kept the game close. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think if a bit it goes, of a soft penalty. Yeah, I, I would I would say that I don't. No, why De Lorenzo really has to challenge him there. He but. doesn't, yeah. Yeah, I think that's why the referee gives it there. But the defense played great. The Ita- I thought the Italian defense had a really good game. Chiellini yeah. and Bonucci particularly. Um, Lukaku, I know, is so isolated, so it's tough for him to get a lot of opportunities. But any chance he had, those two were, were right on him or the midfield was on him. Uh, they had very good coordination. And that, that's what you get from Chiellini, right? He's such a leader. He coordinates the back line like no one else, basically, right? Yeah. Sergio Ramos is the only example I could think of. So with with Belgium, this kind of I guess this golden generation for them is coming to an end. Where where yeah. do you think they go from here? I wouldn't say it's like a full rebuild, mm-hmm. but but what do you think? What do you think they need to do going forward? It's more of a retool, right? Yeah, I think it's more of a retool because a lot of that front line are still have you know a good three four years of their prime left, right? Lukaku's young enough that he has a lot of his prime. De Bruyne, they don't have to worry about. He could probably play another four or five years as long as injuries don't kind of affect him just because his style of play and how good he is. You could even drop him further back and he'd be just as good. Um, I think their issue might be on that center back position. Yeah. If they want to stick with this back three, they do not have the players for it. The the players that they have coming up that aren't named Vertonghen or Alderweireld, so Boyata, those guys, they're not the same quality, especially not of Alderweireld, right? Like he's, he's, a, he's a top quality center back and he still is quite good. He's not that old, right? In his early 30s. But uh, I don't think they have anyone who really matches that. But they've got great attacking talent coming through. So, right? Maybe yeah. they could just be an exciting team that, you know, makes quarterfinals and then gets bounced. Yeah, maybe. I think it's right? it's odd. It, it depends, I guess, their their depth at center back. Because ideally, if, mm-hmm. you don't, if you don't really have the depth there, you really don't want to be playing a back three where your resources are stretched so thin, right? But yeah. I guess it, it kind of... I guess we have they to see how Martinez wants to set his team up. Yeah, if, I think he'll. I think he'll still stay. For I think, the World I think Cup for sure. I think they've developed. I think he stayed long enough where they've developed a system that that they yeah. like, and they'll probably try one more, have one more go at it. With, yeah, at with least the, the World Cup play in this system. Yeah, exactly. At least the World Cup. I, I I respect that as well. Yeah, and Italy will play Spain in the semis, who beat Switzerland three yes. one on penalties. <laughs> um, we're not going to recap this whole game, but talk talk a bit about those awful penalties by by Switzerland. 
I always feel bad when players take really bad penalties because the goal and and the goalie doesn't get enough credit every time players take bad penalties because um, Simon was on his line jumping around he was getting in their head a little bit right like uh, I, and I thought he made good saves to get to those penalties right you still got to save them but wow that Vargas penalty especially that was atrocious the one that went yeah. over the bar that yeah, was. Yeah. Because that wasn't even a well-struck hard penalty. Like he just lifted it straight over. They were. That was not a good penalty. <laughs> Those are like. It feels like like penalties like that where they shoot it way over the bar. It feels like they're kind of like in between like mines. Like if it's yeah. Like, if it's like, I guess on if you look at it at like a spectrum, there's like one side where it's like. I guess it was like how like probably like someone like Harry Kane like takes penalties where oh. it's like I don't care what the goal where the goalie's going to go. Yeah. I don't I don't watch him move or anything. Going I'm going to like corner. just put it I'm going to put it on this left side and I'm just going to hit it super hard and even if he dives the right way, he might not he might not even no say cuz I'm going to hit it so hard and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then I guess on the other side of that would be like Bruno Fernandez who does the little jump. Yeah. Yeah. And he's but like, he knows where he's going with that jump, right? He's, yeah. He's doing it. He's he's knowing where to put it based on how the goalie moves. Exactly. Right? But yeah. I feel like some people they're kind of like caught in between, like they don't really know yeah. what they want to do. And then, especially when the goalie's moving around, if you're someone that takes like those penalties that are sort of dependent on the goalkeeper's movement, oh yeah, I'm sure like him moving before can can uh, can throw you off a bit. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I think that might be the problem for a lot of these players, right? They're just not good enough, like straight up not good enough to take penalties so- against the top top goalie. Right? Talk about like. Jekyll and Hyde like penalty performance because they beat Switzerland. They Switzerland beat France with scoring all of their penalties, and then they only score one against Spain. Like Uh it's kind of crazy penalties in that in that uh, France game Um, from both teams until it went to Mbappe. Right, like both teams had great penalties, and then in this game, you just I mean, the only thing that you knew was going to happen in this Spain game was Spain was going to have more possession. They were going to have about five or six really clear cut chances that they weren't going to score, and Shakiri was going to score a goal. That's all you knew about this game for sure. Yeah, and lo and behold, that's exactly what happened, right? Yeah, that's true. Should, we, should we move on? Should we move on to Italy versus Spain then? Yeah, let's do a quick preview of that one. I guess, I guess the first thing we should we should talk about is the injury to Leonardo Spinazzola, yeah. um, Achilles. So um, he's probably out. Eight to twelve months. Yeah, so he's he definitely won't be in tomorrow. Um, unfortunately, so, <laughs> I, I think we can rule him out for tomorrow. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, how do you think? Do Italy change how they've been playing with with pushing the left back super high? Will they just swap Emerson and do the same thing, or will will something be be changed? What What do you think? What do you think about Emerson coming in? Which probably seems I mean- the most likely scenario. Yeah, yeah, I'd expect Emerson to come in. I I feel like I Emerson's a little hard done because he's still like a fine player. He's an okay left back, right? He's he's not bad at all. He's good down that left hand flank. He did win the Champions League. I mean, he's not he's a starter rated, for Chelsea. He's rated in Italy. In in England, they just don't like him, especially. Well, in he's Chelsea, rated in Italy because right? he was very good for I think Roma, who he played for. He yeah. was very good, Emerson, when he was still Brazilian, Emerson. Um, right. Now he's Italian Emerson, right? Uh, I No, I think he's a good player. I think he's been hard done in his club career by just being stuck behind Ben Chilwell now at, at Chelsea, who's been very good. Um, I, I don't think they're going to change much 
to be honest. I still think he's going to push up. Uh, and I think since they're now going to be using two backup fullbacks, because let's be honest, DiLorenzo's a backup fullback as well. Yep. Um, behind Florenzi, he was always going to be second choice. I think they're just going to go down that left-hand side because that's what they're most comfortable with. You still have Insigne, you still have Verratti. Emerson can still do a lot of those things. Uh, and I think they're, you know, Emerson gives you maybe a little something different. I don't think he's going to be cutting in quite as much, um, like really coming in or anything. But he he likes to play those short balls. Uh, he he doesn't lose the ball very often either. Like he's a pretty decent ball holder. Like he's good at holding onto the ball. So I don't think he's going to change much, to be honest. I think yeah. he's going to basically slot right in. I think the only concern you have with Emerson is he hasn't played a whole lot of football in the year, like overall. Um, so there could be some concern with that, but every time he's played for Italy, he's looked pretty decent. So yeah, I think yeah. I think they definitely lose that sort of like one-on-one ability yeah, in the yeah. change of Emerson pace. can't and, do that. Yeah, especially the. It's weird. Sometimes you'll see Spinazzola. Usually he's cutting. He's he stays on the outside. He sort of maintains the width on the outside. But sometimes yeah. you see those like long undercutting runs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On the on the left touch line, and he sort of runs. If we think about like a back three, sort of runs between the left, yeah, and the like center, diagonally center through yeah. the two of them, yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, and he's been great at those. I wonder what Florenzi's status is, like if he's been training or not, because if yeah. he's if he's in, I think he sort of provides that attacking, yeah, um, that attacking force that maybe they're missing because he's basically a winger too, like Spinazzola. So if, yeah. if he's playing, I could see Italy sort of reversing how they play with with Emerson dropping into the back three instead of Di Lorenzo and Florenzi yeah. pushing up. Um, yeah, because I, I think that. that dropping back into the back three only really works with Di Lorenzo as well. Just yeah. because of the style of player Di Lorenzo is. He's a bit bigger. He's still very quick, though. Um, but he's a decent tackler, too. He's not afraid to kind of jump in for that tackle. Uh, I don't think that really works with Florenzi. And Emerson, it could work with. I'd just be a little concerned with Emerson being the player to drop into there, yeah. depending on... The only the only other thing I can I've heard about maybe thrown out is um Toloi is a left sided center back for Atalanta. Yeah. So you could put him in at yeah. left back and, and they could shift to that three, but I just I don't th- I think that's a little too outside of of what they should really should I think that's more of like overthinking than than just yeah. going out and, and playing your similar system. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't do that because uh, I I've seen Toloi basically only Put, in, put on that like left-sided center back, and then I think he's actually jumped in at right back before. He played for, right back against exactly. Wales this tournament. Perfect, there we go. So I, I don't know if I'd want to like throw him at left back when you do at least have that naturally left back player who knows how to play that position. Regardless if he doesn't play that much, at least you know he's there. He knows how to play it. So I, I'd just go Emerson and play the same sort of style. right? Yeah. Rely on Insigne and Verratti. They're, they've been playing great. Obviously these these two teams will really want to control the game and, and have a lot of the ball. Yeah. Um, I guess one question for you is who do you think, who do you think will have more of the ball in this game? And, and will that benefit? Like, will, if Spain having a lot of the ball, do you think that will benefit them more or does it give Italy more, more chances to press high and, and strike quickly? Something that they're, they're very good at. Yeah. I think what's going to end up happening is we're going to see a pattern of Spain kind of holding the ball. And when they go for that attack, if they lose it, Italy's going to counter them. I, I'm not. I'm definitely not suggesting Italy's going to sit back and play like counterattacking. Um, but I just think Italy feels like they can be comfortable enough to cede possession to a team that's going to hold it. And my only concern with Italy is 
if they play that Pedri, Busquets, and um, um, and Koke midfield, yeah. Busquets and Pedri are both very press resistant. Like those are yeah. two guys. Busquets is the definition of a tempo player, right? He decides how fast the ball is going to move, and he decides where it's going to go. And it doesn't matter what the other team does or says, unless you basically have two men on him, he's going to be doing that, right? Yeah. Uh, it's almost the same way Jorginho plays sometimes, right? Where he decides what's going to happen with the ball. Busquets does that. And when you have a player like Pedri who can do all of that passing, but also dribble, I think like Italy might just not really even have the opportunity to have more of the ball. But I think they're going to be fine with that. We saw them not have the ball against Austria. And I mean, they played all right, you know, as long as they don't, like fall within themselves a little bit too much. Um, Belgium had a lot of possession near the end of the game. Italy kind of sat back a bit. They looked very comfortable sitting back. I think, I think they're, I think, I don't think they get enough credit for being able to kill, kill games as, as they should. One, one, you talk about um, breaking that, that Italian press. I think Laporte's going to be really, very uh, important, really important about that, especially his long, his long passing sort of break, break the lines instead of these short yeah. passes play play something long in, be, in between the lines of the midfield and maybe just in front of the D out to those wide wingers yeah I think might be super super important um, one guy I guess that's I think I think one one battle I'm really interested to see is is Morata against Chiellini and, and Bonucci what do you yeah. think about that matchup for tomorrow it's going to be interesting because I, uh, I'm i actually a very big, you know, I love Morata. I think he's actually good as long as he has someone to play off of, um, which is why Ferran Torres should probably start this game. Uh, I think so both that of them they... together are good because yeah. Torres likes to cut in a lot. He's, he's exactly. sort of like an inverted, inverted winger, which I think helps yeah. Morata a lot. Yeah. I think, like, that's the way that they need to play. Like, uh, you know, Morata, Torres, and Sarabia, or even Morata, Torres, Danny Olmo, or or, 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 or Yarzabal as well. Or Yarzabal's a pretty good player. He's a decent goal scorer. Um, I'm interested to see if Morata's movement might be a little bit difficult for uh, Bonucci and Chiellini to track. Uh, I know they can deal with a player one-on-one. Of course they can. They're two of the best defenders in the world, especially Chiellini. Benucci is always a little bit scared when I see Benucci defend, even though he's a very good defender. It's just something about him. Uh, but but I'm gonna I'm mostly interested in seeing how they track Morata's movement, and if Torres and uh, or Yarzabal or whoever else plays with them, Sarabia I think is probably gonna be the one. I think it'll how, be Sarabia, yeah. How they're gonna move off of Morata because if they have those quick interchanges and Pedri can get forward a little bit, gonna be difficult to deal with. But we've seen Italy can play against top tier offenses, so. Um, while I'm interested to see what happens in that game, I think Italy has the advantage. Basically, everywhere on the pitch, Italy has the advantage because they've got a much more solid defense than than Spain too. Yeah, I've been, I've been, yeah. I think down the middle. I think, uh, I think Immobile can be can be pretty yeah. can be pretty important to Just Italy. Throw balls into this the box. Game. Yeah, the aerial duels. Yeah, I think he yeah. can. He can. He can definitely. He, he's not priced for his aerial ability, but. I think I think but against still okay these, in the air. Yeah, he is, and I, I think against um, Laporte and and it'll probably be Pau Torres, who's not good in the air whatsoever. No. That's like one of his biggest weaknesses, actually. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think I think he can get he can. Oh yeah, he'll have joy with that. I think, especially like if you look at that Switzerland goal that they scored against Spain, it was like a direct turnover. Yeah, they basically opened themselves up. So I, I think I think there'll definitely be opportunities for Immobile. He's just got a. He's got to put one in the back of the net because uh, he hasn't looked he hasn't looked too good of of late, not especially last game. 
yeah, not, not sharp. sharp at all. Now, do, are, do you think I, I bring it up all the time, and I know he's not because Luis Enrique is is um, hard headed a little bit. Do you think like this is the game where Sergio Ramos would be good to play? It just feels like there's a couple of these games where imagine Laporte and Ramos together. Like I feel like that would be better than Laporte and Garcia or or Pau Torres. Like uh, I think against. I think against someone that's more physical, that that definitely helps. Like yeah, if you right? think about Laporte on, um, on I guess City, right, and and Diaz, they're both on City, and yeah, usually, yeah, they have the bigger center back beside them. Like, yeah. uh, so I think, like, yeah, I think that's definitely a game you could have Ramos for, and I think just yeah. like like we've seen this this Spain backline not not at their best this tournament, especially yeah, like chemistry wise, especially because yeah. they started. Um, Who'd they, who who is the guy they started before Pau Torres? Oh, Eric Garcia. Don't, right Garcia. Yeah, Eric Garcia. Don't bring him yeah. up. <laughs> so they, they've had to switch out a bit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I definitely, I, again, I think a couple episodes ago, we both said like they should have brought him. But yeah, I, I definitely yeah, I think like at the later why. stage of the competition, they definitely, sh- they can only help to have someone like that, I guess, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Give me a... Give me a score prediction before we move on to the next uh, the next semifinal. What are you saying? I'm going to go 2-1 for Italy. Oh, I was going to say that. You can go for it too. It's fine. I don't want to now, though. Say 3-1 Italy, maybe? You what if I just say like 5-3? Oh, wow. Yeah, I hope so. Can you imagine? It'd be What's the game the of the final? tournament. Oh, please. Okay, 5-3. Yeah, 5-3. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. For Italy, right? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. A Chiesa hat trick, of course. Oh, God, I'd love that. Immobile hat trick. <laughs> An Immobile hat trick. That would be wonderful, to be honest. That would. I think that'd be just what he would need. <laughs> yeah, actually, though. Yeah. He needs something like that. Okay, let's move on to the other side of the bracket. Um, let's start with Denmark 2, Czech Republic 1. Uh, we're not going to touch on this game too much, but Patrick Sheik. Yeah, which te- we usually see this in big tournaments. The person that scores a, a bunch of goals he usually gets signed by someone. Always. Um, I guess. Where do you think he'll he'll end up? Because I'm sure he's due for a move somewhere, without um, a doubt. But also, what sort of a team do you think he would be a good fit for? Let's say in like the Premier League. Who, now who would you we see know. Him for? We know he's going to the Premier League if anywhere. We know, yeah. right? He's got to. It's, uh, it's, it's got to be the two teams that I've actually, are the only two teams I've heard linked with him, uh, Everton and West Ham. They're the two okay. teams I've heard linked with him. Uh, I actually think he'd fit at West Ham just perfectly on that West Ham team, that David David Moyes style of play. Um, he'd, he, uh, he'd genuinely work on a team that had a really great season last year and wants to build on it, like West Ham. Uh, and I also think, though, He'd work on Everton because we just got Rafa Benitez in at Everton, right? He just came in and he loves that big striker who not only can have hold up like that Solomon Rondon style has hold up play, but is also not afraid to get him behind and use his head in the air. He's a big boy, Patrick Schick, right? He's a 6'2", 6'3". So uh, I think those would be the two teams he would fit best at. I also think he'll probably end up going to, uh, I'm going to go with Everton, I think. Yeah. You know, he, I think Benitez will sign him. He, he reminds me a lot. Uh, a lot of people have been saying like Leeds, maybe, but mm. what, he, he reminds me a lot of Bamford. Yeah, he's yeah. Just really high pressing, um, good in the air. He's 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 got good movement into the box. Big guy, yeah, yeah. He's he is a big boy, right? I, he yeah, yeah. yeah. When when I see him, I, it's hard not to see a little bit of like Patrick Bamford. Yeah, so I think I, like, I can see that. 
maybe yeah having two of them where you, you can really keep the same style of play even though you're you're subbing strikers in and out yeah yeah exactly um yeah, yeah. it's a good one denmark two goals um dolberg scored again um <laughs> delaney from a from a set piece um i think we'll touch on the denmark england game but i think set pieces and and crosses into the box will be one of the strengths i think denmark want to utilize against against england yeah. but we'll yeah. touch on on that let's actually move to the uh, england game england yeah. for ukraine zero completely i mean it was pretty much over i think as soon as that first goal went in it was like there's more where that's gonna come from uh yeah exactly harry, harry kane two goals um looks unbelievable even i think the scariest part of that game wasn't even his two goals it was the volley that the goalie saved because almost a perfect really, patrick you really don't yeah exactly and you really don't try volleys like that unless you're no. super confident right and no, he's definitely you got it back um what would you see from kane this game that he wasn't doing earlier i guess yeah in the tournament? harry kane is more than willing now to run in behind he's coming deep to get that ball still and like, you know, shifting wide and everything, but it almost seems like he trusts his wingers more. We know he loves to play off of Raheem Sterling always. And I like that they decided to use Sancho this game because it gives you more natural width compared to some of the other wingers that they bring in. And I think that gives Harry Kane a bit more freedom to stay inside, which is good because he should be trying to stay a little bit more inside because he's a natural goal scorer. Right. Um, I mean, anytime Harry Kane has the ball, I say this every time, maybe on England it's not true, maybe just it's not true on England, but Harry Kane is the best passer on Spurs, right? And it's crazy, because he's a striker, but he's still the best passer on the team, and I think that's kind of the player he wants to be for England, doing a little bit of everything, but in this game it almost seemed a little bit more like he was willing to, no, you know what, it's okay, like, we'll let other people get involved in the game, let other people carry, Um, and I thought this was probably one of the best games I've seen him play uh, this tournament for sure, but even in an England shirt. And you can even notice if you watched him play, he had more touches on that left-hand side than on that right-hand side of the field. Like he, I, I saw him drifting a little more to the left um, because right. He plays off of Sterling. He lets Sancho do his thing on the wing yeah. and he kind of plays off of Sterling. Right. And I, yeah, I think this was definitely the best we've seen of Harry Kane this tournament. Confident. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I like what you said about him having to adapt because in those early games, we really saw him coming deep to pick up the, yeah, the ball. And that, and that first goal, that, that run in behind, great pass by, oh, by Sterling. I, I, haven't God, seen, what a pass. <laughs> I haven't seen a like a pass from him like that uh, in a while. So that was, yeah, that was really yeah. nice to see. And I, I like that they started Sancho. Everyone's been calling yeah. for him to, to get a game in. I feel like Foden is somewhat hard done by because I thought in those first two games he was England's best player and now yeah. he's seemingly not anywhere close to the team, I guess, right? Yeah, because you've got Grealish probably ahead of him right now. And depending on the way they play, even like Rashford, because Rashford is more likely to go in on a wing or a striker, depending on how they're going to play. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel really bad for Foden because he's good. They <laughs> have all these, all these great attacking players, but for really one spot in your top three because yeah. Southgate's not, first of all, Southgate will. I don't think he's ever going to take out Sterling because yeah, of how and much rightfully he so. him, but rightfully so because he's, he's played, played amazingly. Yeah. Yeah. He's improved even. He's he started the tournament. I thought off a bit weak in the sense that yes, he was scoring goals, making those great runs, but his movement off the ball wasn't as good. That has completely changed in these last couple games. His movement off the ball has been phenomenal. He looks like that Pep Guardiola Raheem Sterling again, and that's yeah. amazing to see. He's had a great tournament now. Like he, he's looked so good. Someone else that's also looked really good on England is Luke Shaw. 
I'm, oh. surpri- I'm, I'm surprised he wasn't seeing him now. I'm surprised he wasn't starting from the beginning because the whole point of Kieran Trippier was, I guess, the set piece delivery, right? But yeah. yeah. Two assists for, for Shaw. I think one was off a corner, um, if I remember correctly. The Maguire oh, goal was off a Luke Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. It was a Luke Shaw corner. Uh, what a free if- kick. It was a free kick. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the free kick. What, uh, what have you liked from Shaw's game uh, recently? Yeah, uh, Luke Shaw is is a is a really good player who for a little while looked like wasn't really going to hit his stride just based on kind of it's kind of sad to say but just based on like he had some weight issues right had some health issues um, unfortunately and that broke his leg he got right yeah. when he got to Manchester United yeah right? he got signed from Southampton youngest teenager most expensive teenager something like that and um, he was amazing on Southampton comes to Man U breaks his leg. Right, like Aaron Ramsey style, like completely broken leg. Yeah. And it kind of really delayed his development. And it didn't help that Jose Mourinho just really had it out for him weirdly. Um, and I think Man U going out, getting Alex Tellez in the summer, maybe lit a bit of a fire under him as well, right? And he was very good on the season. He was easily the best left back in probably the Premier League, him or Andy Robertson. And he's carried that on to his England game, right? He... He's more of a natural wide left back. He doesn't like to cut in nearly as much, right? He likes to stay out wide, uh, but he's not afraid to take somebody on. He's good on the ball, and he's he's actually pretty decent defensively, which I think is a part of his game that sometimes we don't look at enough. Um, we always talk about how oh, Trippier is the best defensive fullback on on England, et cetera, et cetera. But I actually think like Luke Shaw's look relatively solid in terms of defensive uh, left back, and he likes to get forward. He seems to have a pretty good understanding of of kind of the style of play with Sterling and Rice. So yeah, I, I think he's looked great. And he's um, the only reason I think he didn't start every game is because uh, um, Southgate kind of wants to let everyone play, which is cool. It, it creates like, it fosters a really great atmosphere in the dressing room, uh, which, so th- I think that's been good. And, um, and honestly it's worked out because look at how well Shaw's playing now. Right. And it's, it's good to rotate like in these in these tournaments because they're usually yeah. at the end of the year people have played a full year of, oh, God. of soccer and these these tournaments the turnarounds are so quick it's not just like once a week it's you play in like four days so i think i think england's ability to rotate people and yeah, yeah. control basically control games from the outset albeit against teams they can do that against relatively easily like ukraine there was no there was no way Ukraine was taking the game to, no, to England, no, no right? Chance. Yeah, um, He's, they're not so good being, enough. Yeah, so being able to, I guess, control the tempo of these games, I feel like what England's tried to do is they've tried to get a goal at early on in each half, and mm-hmm. this game they did, um, which, yeah. was, which was good. But after that like first initial like surge, they sort of like sit back and they yep. kind of like rest like in game almost like the way yeah. that they control the tempo yeah, yeah. Control the game. They don't really want to give up too much. Um, and I think that's, I think from a longevity standpoint, I think that that really helps in, in tournament 100%. football like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, we talk about, you know, Oh, England are boring, whatever, but it's all about control. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually, I I've said like, you know, a Spain England game would be kind of boring. Spain aren't necessarily boring. They do create chances, right? Uh, England, I think can be a bit more boring. Sometimes it's, they only create three chances a game, but if you score one of those three and the other team gets what, two shots on target through the whole game, right? Or three shots on target, you're going to win. Right. And I think that's what Southgate has decided. We're going to be pragmatic. We're going to play the game to win, not play the game to look good. And I think if you end up winning this tournament 20 years from now, 
No one's really going to care if you, you know, all they're going to see is conceded zero goals, let's say, and won the tournament. Like, who cares? And this, But in this win against Ukraine, they were exciting too. They had yeah. control and they were exciting, right? Like they created a decent amount of opportunities, even though a lot of the goals were set pieces, um, but not only created opportunities, every time Ukraine had the ball, I wasn't afraid they were going to score. I was like, yeah, no. England will, England will only, suss it out. It felt like they were only bringing Yarmolenko, Yaramchuk, and Zinchenko forward that's when they it. had the ball. I, exactly, that's it. I think it's really weird. I think Ukraine sort of dug their own grave in the way they set up. They sat so deep. I mean, they really don't have the ability to go really at England. Um, That's the problem I'm as well. Surprised to see Malinovsky didn't start. That for me was that, the weird. To not even be on the subs bench was odd because I, I think he was one of the. I think he's one of Ukraine's probably one of their better attacking uh, forces on their team. So it was odd yeah. to not see him. Odd to not see him play, but. I think there might be something else going on with that. Um, yeah. I don't want to like make any assumptions or anything, but the fact that, yeah, probably your your only player that gives you something completely different because he'll carry the ball and you'll pass. He's the only player who yeah. could pass between the lines on the Ukraine. And the fact that he didn't play when you've got Yaremchuk and Yarmolenko up top who can create stuff from like the dribble, especially Yarmolenko, um, he gives you something completely different. And I think there has to be something behind the scenes. I just yeah. don't see how there can't be for a player that good not to play. So, yeah. yeah, it was let's, strange. Let's move on to, to Denmark, England. And we were talking yeah. about England, how they, they really want to control games um, at, at their tempo. I think while this is, while this is clearly, in my opinion, the second of the two semifinals in terms of, of games I want yeah. to watch, yeah, yeah, I, think, I think this one is slightly interesting because I think Denmark bring more of that like chaos that I think England don't want because yep. Denmark's actually a very attacking side. Only Spain and Italy produce more shots per game than Denmark. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're also really good in the air. They, they have the most aerial duels won by a large margin. I think they're yeah. at 28 and they're in first. And I think second in that is England, but I think they're at like 16. So it's like a yeah, big yeah. different. Yeah. I'm not and, surprised. I mean, they have people like Dolberg and Braithwaite and I guess they're back three. Are really the these, are these really these really big guys with uh, Vestergaard yeah. and Christensen is and um, enormous uh, Kiar yeah. <laughs> I keep think I think yeah. that, that uh, Milan uh, commentator. Yeah, commentator that was good Kiar Kiar <laughs> but yeah I, I think um, I think they could be a threat from set pieces and also Definitely. just um, getting out wide and putting that ball in into the box. I think like just chaos off, off those sent pieces and getting people into the box could, I think that could be one way they, that they could really get at, at England. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, what I like from Denmark too, is their defenders aren't afraid to um, what I like, especially from them is they're really not afraid to step, not only into a dribble, which obviously you see all the time, right? People step into dribbles. They're not afraid to step into a pass. They love a good interception, that back line, right? Like they're not afraid to step forward block that pass off and then clear the ball out. Right. Um, that's the one thing I do notice about them. Sometimes they do not play out from the back as much as I'd like uh, with players like this, but I mean, Christensen has hit his stride, right? We saw him at Chelsea. Even he looks like a completely different player under Tuchel. He has completely revitalized Christensen's career. He looked, he looked great when he came in in the champions league final, right? Like slot yeah. straight in. Yeah. Pierre is captain and he's, you know, an AC Milan mainstay and Vestergaard, obviously close to my own heart, 
Southampton player, um, but also like quite good, right? For a big guy, he's pretty decent on the ball and a very good tackler, right? He can move around a little bit. Um, I'm kind of curious to see if England sets up in a five again. Yeah, sort of. If they're going to match, match it. Denmark again, or are they yeah. going to stay as a four? Yeah, I'm like, kind of curious. I feel like the, I feel like they stay as a four only because yeah. I think the threat from Denmark is more through the middle. Yes. And not not much as the wing backs because with Germany it was Kimmich and Gosens were the ones exactly. you were really worried about, and that's where they got at Portugal. So I think it made sense for England to turn into it, to have a three with wing backs and match. Yeah. But I think one, I think England player for player probably better than Denmark, although it's probably Definitely. a lot closer than people think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, yeah, I think their threat comes through the middle mostly. I mean, you're talking about Vestergaard. Let's talk about another former Southampton player. Let's talk yeah. about Hoiberg. Um, I so think he good. could really be the key for for Denmark. What have you noticed about about him this tournament? I, I miss the differences from how he usually plays at Tottenham. Well, that's the thing. I miss him first of all, uh, and he almost is playing more like his latter day Saints. There's a little shout out to the Catholic Church, I guess. Uh, he's playing more like his latter day Saints. <laughs> playing more like his latter day Saints, Hoybierg, though, where. Um, He's passing, he's he's wanting to try things on the ball as well, right? He's not just like, oh, you know, easy pass, off we go. Like, he's getting the ball. He gets the ball more than anyone else on that team, even including that back line, right? So he does that thing where he'll drop in between even the three center backs. He'll drop in. And then what I like about Hoybjerg is he's playing like what I think Tottenham should be using him, not necessarily that they do, where he'll also go dribble. Right, yeah. like he steps forward, and he's going to dribble past a player. He's going to look for that pass, and he's going to try to break the lines. Right, um, he's he kind of this is going to be very high praise, but he kind of uh, combines the passing that you get from um, a player like Busquets, who you know drops back, controls the midfield, and a player like David Silva, who's going to break the lines. Right, like obviously not on that level of of either of them, but he is a midfielder who could do it all. And it's kind of great that he plays beside Delaney, who is not quite as good at some of those things, right? He's a good passer of the ball, Delaney, but I actually don't think he's quite as good on the ball. Um, but he's a lot better in the air, Delaney, right? Like Delaney has no problem getting up there and, you know, fighting for a tackle. And that's a good thing about Hoybier and Delaney. There's a lot of bite in that midfield. Like yeah. they're going to they're gonna attack you with that midfield. Like uh, yeah. I love to watch them play. And with, with I guess, with Christensen being out, he's been, Hoybier's been more of that playmaker yeah, yeah he has to. Yeah, he yeah. has to because Damsgaard isn't isn't quite you know there. <laughs> yeah, he's not quite at that level of Ericsson. So yeah, he's got to be more of a playmaker. Yeah, and Braithwaite, who's who's really good and can run at people. I think they just need yeah. something. They need some more some more passing. And I think Hoybjerg's had an unbelievable hundred percent tournament. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's think, he's he's looked good. And it and it helps with um. You talk about Christensen's done. They do some interesting things with with Christensen where they actually move him up sort of into like a back back three and play him as like a single pivot so they yeah. can either form like a triangle with the two midfielders and with the two defenders yeah. or they they push him up on the right side of of midfield sometimes Hoiberg will will come back to to gather the ball deep which I think is exactly quite quite interesting I wonder if if England sort of try to to man mark uh Hoiberg and with Mason Mount inside sort of get him up right beside him and, and not yeah. get too much space right and we know Mount can do that as well we know he can, right? He's very good at that, actually. Um, he's I a think that's why he's, underrated he's in, 
I think that's why Southgate is playing him instead of Grealish. I think he likes yeah. I think he likes his pressing ability, and I think yeah. it'll be super important this game for England to shut yeah. down Hoiberg. Yeah. Yeah, I think Grealish and Foden maybe do. Mount's a phenomenal player, but maybe either of those two do give you more going forward, just in the sense that they can create something out of nothing. But Mount is just relentless. Whether it's pressing, whether it's you know playing offense, defense, anything like Mount is like truly relentless, and uh, he's a player I really like. Yeah, shout out to Frank Lampard, I guess. <laughs> Since we were we were talking about Sancho uh, yeah. earlier, do you think do you think he's going to start start this game, or will they go back to Foden maybe because he's had a couple rest? You know, we've been talking about the rotation a bit with England. What do you think? I actually think they are. I, I think they're going to go with Foden probably because I think they're not going to target playing out wide. I think what their target's going to be is to play in between the wing back and the center backs, yeah. uh, and especially on that right-hand side. I think that's probably the side that they'd get a little bit more joy of on Vestergaard's side just because I think there is the ability to exploit Vestergaard's like, slight lack say, of mobility. I was going right? to say, as a Southampton fan, you'll probably see – when people are running at Vestergaard, I'm sure you get a little yeah. nervous one on one. Yeah, just just and he's good. On, he's he's actually a really good tackler, and he's not afraid to tackle or to step up to take a pass. But he does have less mobility than Christensen. I think he's a uh, he's a little bit more savvy than Christensen for sure. But uh, but he his mobility is definitely less. I mean, how can you be more mobile when you're like six six? Like it just doesn't exactly, work like that, yeah. right? But and I, I think that's why maybe sure Sancho's faster. But if uh, male 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 Male. I always pronounce his name wrong. If male plays a little bit further back and drops almost to a true wing back, less of like a or a true fullback, then Sancho's going to get kind of played out of the game by a by a double of Vestergaard and male. Male. I get the name wrong every time. Male. Whereas Mala. Mala. Maybe, maybe that's with Foden. No, that's totally right. I think it's Mala. Whereas with Foden, I think he can kind of drag players out of position. Maybe Mount comes a little bit wide when when he's playing. Right, we know Mount can play on the wings too. Right, they can interchange yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'd go with Foden personally, or or Grealish. I think this is finally the one game where you probably don't start Sancho. <laughs> don't really? start. You bring him on as a substitute, in my opinion. When oh, like, games are like, going on a little late, the end. exactly yeah. right. Seventieth minute, sixty fifth minute, you need a goal, or you know, you need to just kind of press the back line. Then Sancho comes on. Yeah, Denmark has been. I mean, against that Belgium game, Denmark's been really good off the start. They were beating yeah. Belgium with a super early goal from Poulsen. I think. I think it would Poulsen, be interesting yeah. to see. I mean, this probably won't happen, but I'd love to see England. If England goes down early, what down. they'll do because they've played so conservative. I, I'd love to see how how they change tactically. I think it would be yeah. really interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we'll see that. Uh, yeah. Will they be able to beat the team of destiny, Alexander? God, I hope not. <laughs> I love. Is it I coming really home? Hope, <laughs> I I hope not. I'm sure Italy. I hopefully Italy prevents that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Italy's got to beat Spain first. But uh, what do you think about Denmark and, and England? Do you have a Do you have a prediction? What do you I think? think. I think it'll be one nothing England. One nothing England. Think, I think they score. <sighs> I think they score like some sometime in the second half. I think the first half's quite cagey. Yeah. And then someone will break it. I think probably like Kane yeah. in the second half. And then probably, I'm going to say like around like the 70th, 75th minute. And then England just kind of hold on, hold on until the end. Nice. For what me, it's, it's got to be 2 nothing England. They're going to score one. And then I think Denmark's going to really start pressing. And England will probably either get one on the counter or maybe a set piece. Right? They look very good on set pieces. You've got Stones, Maguire, everyone. 
Shout out to Henderson scoring his first ever international goal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, right? I wonder if he plays. One. Uh, no, you know what? I think they've got to go with the same midfield. Yeah. It, it just, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But do the yellow cards carry over for those two still? Oh, that's a good question. I thought they re- I mean, they took Rice off to prevent him not getting a yellow in the him last and the both of them. Yeah. But I guess... If I remember correctly, they reset in the semifinal, but I'm not sure. I hope so, because uh, I'd like to see Rice and Phillips keep going. They look so good. Like, why change it? Yeah, Phillips has been a big surprise package. I thought he was going to be fine. And right when Henderson's healthy, in goes Henderson. Um, Even though Henderson-Rice is like the midfield that makes me want to puke. Rice has been been pretty good. I mean, he's not better this last game. Yeah, he's not as yeah. attacking as he is on, on West Ham. He's a little Which is more unfortunate. He's a little more boring. But yeah. again, like if we talk about England wanting to control the games, I guess he's doing his job, right? Exactly. It works. It works, right? I'd love to see Bellingham start, but he won't. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I know. I just love him so much. But he'll probably come on a substitute. He's been using him very often as a substitute. So yeah, yeah. yeah I like, Can't wait. Uh, I like I like Jude Bellingham. Also, yeah, so we didn't good. talk about the. Oh, I guess we were talking about Sancho. We didn't really talk about his move to Man U. Oh. I think that was, oh. that was really interesting, right? That he starts right after he goes to Man U. I wonder if he was just like, I wonder if he was just like, like, like if he, if he, well, like, I guess the scenario I think people are talking about is like, if he did start when that move was still happening and he had like a bad game, then all of a sudden, you know, Sky Sports or whatever, oh, they're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. always thinking about his, He's thinking about his move. He doesn't yeah. care about. He's yeah, yeah. had a bad game because he's thinking about his personal move oh, instead of God. playing for England or whatever. Where now it's just like, yeah, he's on United now, so yeah, he's just yeah. gonna go out and, and Good play. Deal, by the way, yeah, that, it's uh, what did they get him for? Like eighty-two or something? They they didn't get him for yeah. as much as he should probably go for with how good of a player he is. Yeah, that's um, fair. What a move for for uh, Dortmund though. I think they got him for eight of- million. Tiny bit Jesus. of business, eh? Him, Pulisic, Dembele, the amount of money they really, made off their wingers. It really is like a factory for just for just oh, young yeah. talent. Belling next as well. So <laughs> it, it sucks for, for Dortmund. They can't really keep all these guys. Because I feel yeah. like you look at their lineup about people they should have kept, and it's like, oh. man, that team could beat anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, anybody. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. that's got to be one of the best teams. That's like when you look at those old Ajax teams. Like from like ten years ago, the players if Ajax had kept, that's kind of what yeah. Dortmund's become in the last five six years, right? Yeah, Seriously, it's, it's just it's like, unbelievable how good they are. It's, it's it's crazy how they just find these find these guys, right? And, and their new fascination is England and US, right? They've got yeah. Gio Reyna now from the US, who they're saying is already going to be as good as Pulisic. They've got Bellingham, who I think is a generational talent coming from England. Like they, yeah, yeah they they've got great scouting networks, and clearly all over the world because they're getting players from everywhere. So, yeah. yeah, the German yeah. scouting system is second to none, in my opinion. It seems like, at least. So. Yeah, it, it really just sucks that they're not able to keep these these guys and give Bayern, a, I guess, a run for their money, right? A proper run, at least, right? Yeah, yeah not since, uh, not since what's-his-name have they been able to do that. Um, was that oh. when Lewandowski was on the... Lewandowski, you mean? Lewandowski, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry, Lewandowski, when... When when they yeah. went all to the when they went to the finals, yeah, since and they lost. went to the finals against Bayern, yeah, because of Ian Robles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great player. Although that that semifinal against uh, who they play in the semifinals that year? Didn't they play like Malaga? 
who made it all who had like a dream run. That was the was that the no. ISCO? Was that the ISCO uh yeah. like a team? Yeah. That might have been the team. I, I don't you know what? <sighs> this is something that's gonna kill me, right? It was that Klopp era that was so good. Like that was one of the best. Yeah. But yes, Malaga that's what, that's what that my year, favorite. Malaga that year did have ISCO. Yeah, there you go. It's that ISCO. And they had uh, Corzola, did they not? Didn't they have Santi? They might have had Santi as well. Wow. Man, what a team. Yeah, that was a great team. That is an underrated team, eh? What's their what's Malaga's nickname? The the Bocarones because of anchovies. The they're all they're all anchovy farmers there. Phenomenal though. Man, that, yeah, that was also the, the the one thing that I'll always remember about that year, just like this is a complete like uh, I'm going off on a tangent now, but I'll yeah. always remember that year how badly Munich destroyed Barcelona in those semifinals. That was so weird. Yeah. Seven nothing. Was. It was yeah, seven was, nothing aggregate. Was that the destruction year? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. They they just killed, and I have no clue what happened, but they just killed them that year. Yeah, and that was that year when when Real Madrid played Dortmund, and that yes. those games. So Malaga wild. played them. Malaga played them in the quarters. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was Real Madrid. Like, I thought it was Real Madrid in the semis. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, yeah. It was Real Madrid in the semis, and that was that was one of. Um, oh, that was Ronaldo's like amazing year. He had like 12, yeah. 13 goals in the in the. Th- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was he was head and above everyone else that year. Man, that was a great Champions, Champions League. League. I was gonna say the twenty thirteen <laughs> Champions League really did have it all. That might actually be one of the best Champions Leagues. No, no, no. The I Chelsea like- run. The Chelsea run. What about? What about the one Liverpool won against Spurs a couple years ago? That one had crazy upsets. And still the Ajax final going all the way. No, but okay, yeah, final okay, yeah. The sucks. finals was a letdown. Yes, the final was a letdown. But everything yeah. up to that one was good. With Ajax completely um, upsetting Juventus and, and yeah, that was uh, Real yeah. Madrid, I guess. Yeah, and, then, and then they lost to Spurs on the final moment. And then that that year was oh, also the Liverpool. City. Uh, the Spurs yeah. City one yeah, as well. That was that, was that, that, was that <sighs> year too. And then the Liverpool comeback against Barca. Yeah. That was oh, that year man. also. That was a good that was a good Champions League year. No, but the best the best final, the best Champions League needs to be that uh that 2013-14, the next year. With the uh the Ramos 93rd minute goal against Atletico. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's that was a good be one. Hands a good down one, one of yeah. the most tragic things I've ever seen in my life. I've never That's felt fair. worse for a team. That's poor, poor Atletico. Poor Atletico, man. At least they ended up winning like, the title. And then they did it to them again. Right? Then they yeah. did it to them again. They beat them again they a few years the, later. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, at the San Siro. Yeah. The penalties yeah. here. I was going to say, yeah, the penalty. I was like, wasn't there yeah. a penalty in that game? And that was, and that was this, the Ronaldo 16 goals. Right, where yeah, he scored sixteen true. goals that tournament, where he right, he basically right. told Real Madrid, "Like, let's go, we're we're winning this, we're winning this title." Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, if someone scores sixteen goals, how do you yeah. really? How do you not? That was a you know what? That's another one that sticks in the memory a long time because I'll never forget. There were a couple of weird teams in that. Um, there were a couple of weird teams that made it deep that year. Because you had, I think, Wolfsburg in like the quarterfinals, and like Benfica made the quarters. Like that was that was a weird yeah. year. Yeah, that yeah, was. There've been a couple of those like very strange years where you get. I love when you get that one team in like the quarters at least. That's just not actually very good, but they make yeah. it that deep. What no, a tangent! What a tangent we've gone on on this one. That's okay. It was great. It was yeah. Still, it was still somewhat. It was still about soccer. So I. Still, it was still about soccer. Like it, was it was coherent. It was coherent. 
It was but, at the uh, bigger least coherent. I think we'll end it there because it's yeah. actually it's actually the game's actually today because it's twelve oh three. It's it's past midnight already. Yeah. Gosh, I gotta throw my Italy jersey on. I haven't. Yeah. Are you gonna sleep to in keep, it? Actually, to keep to keep the good vibes from it, I haven't washed it since the tournament started back. Oh in June. yeah. yeah. You can't wash it then. No, 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 no. It's fine. You, you wear it for like, I, that isn't even that gross to me. You wear it for an hour and a half, like once every four days. It's an That's not hour right. and a half of pure stress sweating. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it's hard to watch the game with Italian people. It's That's tough. fair. But yeah, no. Here, Portugal, watching Portugal was not stressful at all. I didn't think they would win. So I was like, ah, whatever. That's because you're. That's because you're a glass half empty kind of guy when you watch always. Portugal. Always. Even always. when Rebello golfs, he's glass half empty. Well, like I missed the shot and I'm like, well. He'll just be like, well, you know, I knew that was going to happen. I was like, well. Yeah, it doesn't feel see. good. It's like, well, we're on the same team and it's match play, so let's try and be a little more optimistic about our uh, next shot. Yeah. Well, how many 30 uh, foot putts did you hit? None. Yeah, I hit but one. You did hit it. Rebello did have a really good putt. Yeah. Good on the was on game. this. On, it was on the second hole. Second hole, I think. Yeah. Later. Yeah. Hit that par putt for like 30 feet. Yeah. We just have to go out again. Yeah. 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 Book the time. We'll book a time and date and we'll go out. Because all we do is talk about soccer while we're out there, anyways. So. Exactly. We could basically we should film one on the golf yeah. course. <laughs> it's a pre podcast. Yeah. We should go for it. Just record one on the, on the golf course, a four hour long podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. The only problem is I hit it to the left side of the fairway. You hit it to the right one. So we'll still have to call. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll still be on a call. We won't just have one recording. It'll be two recordings still because exactly. it'll be like unless over here on the right we just, side. We should just get a cart and set up a microphone in the cart. Yeah, in the cart, and we just cut out all of the the silences when we're not in the cart. Absolutely. No, the other person has to. The other person has to to fill in the dead air oh, while the other person air. is hitting their shot. So they just have to go on super long tangents. You know me. I'd have this. no problem <laughs> on the 2004. I just talked about the 2004 uh, Champions League for hours. Exactly. I'm gonna go. Hit, I'm gonna go make this, this line up this puffer part. Talk to me about like total football for yeah. <laughs> so back in the 90s, back in the 70s, the Netherlands. Yeah, right. Just go off on one. Yeah. So. Actually, before this gets to the hour mark, let's just end. Yes. This. Yeah, yeah. Let's end it here. Let's yeah. end it here. Because we'll be back, I think, probably, what, Wednesday to uh, to record post-semis? Yeah, yeah. Wednesday or Thursday, we'll definitely. Wednesday or Thursday at the latest. Yeah, yeah like pre-, pre the final. And preview the final. And then yeah, that's exciting. we'll talk about after the Euros. We'll probably just do, like, once a week and talk about, like, transfers. Transfers, managers, rumors. things like that. Rumors, what, how we think teams will do. Maybe we'll do, like, a big Premier League prediction yeah. podcast. will be fun. Yeah. Parents of national teams yelling at parents on the other oh, oh. we should talk about that next time yeah the the we yeah we should actually remind them I'll, I'll put it down because yeah we're running late now yeah 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 running. that's because that's anyway, that's yeah. a ridiculous one yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna cut this off now before we start before we keep talking about some <laughs> before we find something new to talk about let's just we will this here um yeah so again thanks everyone for listening and uh, yeah enjoy the semis tomorrow yeah and, uh, and wednesday i guess and then yeah we'll We'll see you wrap everything up, get everyone set for the final. Exciting stuff. Yeah. All righty. Take it easy, everyone. Thank you. See ya.